0: PART 1, CHAPTER 8 OF THE MAGNIFICENT ADVENTURE This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. THE MAGNIFICENT ADVENTURE by Emerson Hoff chapter eight the parting there were others in washington who did not sleep that night a light burned until sunrise in the little office room of thomas Jefferson. spread upon his desk covering its litter of unfinished business lay a large map a map which to-day would cause any schoolboy to smile But which at that time represented the wisdom of the world regarding the interior of the great North American continent. It had served to afford anxious study for two men these many hours. Yonder it lies, Captain Lewis, said Mr. Jefferson at length. How vast, how little known! We know our climate and soil here it is but reasonable to suppose that they exist yonder as they do with us in some part at least if so yonder are homes for millions now unborn had general bonaparte known the value of that land he would have fought the world rather than alienate such a region the president tapped a long finger on the map this, then, he went on, is your country. Find it out. Bring back to me examples of its soil, its products, its vegetable and animal life. Espy out, especially for us, any strange animals there may be of which science has not yet account. I hold it probable that there may be yonder living examples of the mastodon whose bones we have found in kentucky you yourself may see those enormous creatures yet alive meriwether lewis listened in silence mr jefferson turned to another branch of his theme i fancy that sometime there will be a canal built across the isthmus that binds this continent to the one below a canal which shall connect the two great oceans but that is far in the future it is for you to spy out the way now across the country itself explore it discover it it is our new world a few must think for the many he went on I had to smuggle this appropriation through Congress $2,500 the price of a poor Virginia farm I have tampered with the Constitution itself in order to make this purchase of a country not Included in our original Territorial lines I have taken my own chances just as you must take yours now THE FINGER OF GOD WILL BE YOUR GUIDE AND YOUR PROTECTOR. ARE YOU READY, CAPTAIN LEWIS? IT IS LATE. INDEED, THE SUN WAS RIDING OVER WASHINGTON. THE MISTS OF MORNING WERE REEKING ALONG THE BANKS OF THE POTOMAC. I CAN START IN HALF AN HOUR, REPLIED MARRY LEWIS. ARE YOUR MEN READY? your supplies gathered together the rendezvous is at harper's ferry up the river the wagons with the supplies are already there i will take boat from here myself with a few of the men not later than tomorrow afternoon i promise that we will be on our way we burn the bridges behind us and cross none until we come to them spoken like a soldier it is in your hands go then there was one look one hand clasp the two men parted nor did they meet again for years mr jefferson did not look from his window to see the departure of his young friend nor did the latter again call at the door to say good-bye theirs was indeed a warrior-like simplicity the son still was young when meriwether lewis at length descended the steps of the executive mansion he was clad now for his journey not in buckskin hunting garb but with regard to the conventions of a country by no means free of convention his jacket was of close wool belted his boots were high and suitable for riding his stock snowy white for always meriwether lewis was immaculate rose high round his throat in spite of the hot summer season and his hands were gloved he seemed soldier leader officer and gentleman no retinue however attended him no servant was at his side he went afoot and carried with him his most precious luggage the long rifle which he never entrusted to any hands save his own close wrapped around the stock on the crook of his arm and not yet slung over his shoulder was a soiled buckskin pouch which went always with the rifle the possible sack of the wilderness hunter of that time it contained his bullets bullet moulds flints a bar or two of lead some tinder for priming a set of awls such was the leader of one of the great expeditions of the world meriwether lewis had few good-byes to say he had written but one letter to his mother late the previous morning it was worded thus the day after to-morrow i shall set out for the western country i had calculated on the pleasure of visiting you before i started but circumstances have rendered it impossible my absence will probably be equal to fifteen or eighteen months the nature of this expedition is by no means dangerous my route will be altogether through the tribes of indians friendly to the united states therefore i consider the chances of life just as much in my favor as i should conceive them were i to remain at home the charge of this expedition is honorable to myself as it is important to my country for its fatigues i feel myself perfectly prepared nor do i doubt my health and strength of constitution to bear me through it. I go with the most perfect preconviction in my own mind of returning safe, and hope, therefore, that you will not suffer yourself to indulge in any anxiety for my safety. I will write again on my arrival at Pittsburgh. Adieu, and believe me your affectionate son no regrets no weak reflections for this man with a warrior's weapon on his arm where no other burden might lie in all his years his were to be the comforts of the trail the rude associations with common men the terror of the desert and the mountain his fireside only that of the camp yet he advanced to his future steadily his head high his eye on ahead a splendid figure of a man he did not at first hear the gallop of hoofs on the street behind him as at last a mile or more from the white house gate he turned toward the river front he was looking at the dull flood of the potomac now visible below him but he paused something appealing to the strange sixth sense of the hunter and turned a rider a mounted servant was beckoning to him behind the horseman driven at a stiff gait, came a carriage which seemed to have but a single occupant captain lewis halted gazed then hastened forward hat in his hand mrs alston he exclaimed as the carriage came up why are you here is there any news yes else i could not have come but why have you come tell me he motioned the outrider aside sprang into the vehicle and told the driver to draw a little apart from the more public street. Here he caught up the reins himself and, ordering the driver to join the footman at the edge of the roadway they had left, turned to the woman at his side. Pardon me, he said, and his voice was cold. I thought I had cut all ties. Knit them again for my sake, then, Merryweather Lewis. I have brought you a summons to return. A summons from whom? My father, Mister Mary, senor Irujo. They were at our home all night. We could not. They could not. I could not bear to see you sacrifice yourself. This expedition can only fail i implore you not to go upon it do not let your man's pride drive you she was excited half sobbing it does drive me indeed said he simply i am under orders i am the leader of this expedition of my government i do not understand at this hour On this errand, only one motive could have brought me. It is your interest. Oh, it is not for myself. It is for your future. Why did you come thus unattended? There is something you are concealing. Tell me. Ah, you are harsh. You have no sympathy, no compassion, no gratitude. But listen, and I will tell you my father mr mary the spanish minister are all men of affairs they have watched the planning of this expedition why fly in the face of prophecy and of providence that is what my father says he says that country can never be of benefit to our union that no new states can be made from it he says the people pass down the mississippi river but not beyond it that it is the natural line of our expansion that men who are actual settlers are bound not into the unknown west but into the well-known south he begs of you to follow the course of events and not to fly in the face of providence you speak well go on england is with us and spain they back my father's plans he turned now and raised a hand plans what plans i must warn you i am pledged to my own country's service is not my father also he is one of the highest officers in the government of this country you may tell me more or not as you like there is little more to tell said she these gentlemen have made certain plans of which i know little my father said to me that thomas jefferson himself knows that this purchase from napoleon cannot be made under the constitution of the united states but given time for reflection mr jefferson himself will admit that the louisiana purchase was but a national folly from which this country cannot benefit why not turn then to a future which offers certainties why not come with us and not attempt the impossible that is what he said and he asked me to implore you to pause he sat motionless looking straight ahead as she went on he only besought me to induce you if i could either to abandon your expedition wholly as soon as you honourably might do so or to go on with it only to such point as will prove it unfeasible and impracticable. Not wishing you to prove traitorous to a trust, these gentlemen wish you to know that they would value your association, that they would give you splendid opportunity. With men such as these, that means a swift future of success for one for one whom i shall always cherish warmly in my heart the color was full in her face he turned toward her suddenly his eye clouded it is an extraordinary matter in every way which you bring for me he said slowly extraordinary that foreigners not friends of this country should call themselves the friends of an officer sworn to the service of the republic i confess i do not understand it and why send you it is difficult for me to tell you but my father knew the antagonism between mr jefferson and himself and knew your friendship for mr jefferson he knew also the respect the pity oh what shall i say which i have always felt for you the regard regard what do you mean i did not mean regard but the the wish to see you succeed to help you if i could to take your place among men i told you that but yesterday she was all confusion now he seemed pitiless i have listened long enough to have my curiosity aroused i shall have somewhat to ponder on the trail to the west and you mean that you will go on yes you do not understand no i understand only that mr jefferson has never abandoned a plan or a promise or a friend shall i then who have been his scholar and his friend ah you too what manner of men are you that you will not listen to reason he is high in power will you not also listen to the call of your own ambition why in that country below you might hold a station as proud as that of mr jefferson himself will you throw that away for the sake of a few dried skins and flowers you speak of being devoted to your country what is devotion what is your country you have no heart that i know well but i credited you with the brain and the ambition of a man he sat motionless under the sting of her reproaches and as some reflection came to her upon the savagery of her own words she laughed bitterly think you that i would have come here for any other man she demanded think you that i would ask of you anything to my own dishonour or to your dishonour But now you do not listen. You will not come back, even for me. In answer, he simply bent and kissed her hand, stepped from the carriage, raised his hat, yet he hesitated for half an instant and turned back. Theodosia, said he, it is hard for me not to do anything you ask of me you do not know how hard but surely you understand that i am a soldier and am under orders i have no option it seems to me that the plans of your father and his friends should be placed at once before mr jefferson it is strange they sent you a woman as their messenger you have done all that a woman could do no other woman in the world could have done as much with me but my men are waiting for me this time he did not turn back again colonel burr's carriage returned more slowly than it had come it was a dejected occupant who at last made her way still at an early hour to the door of her father's house Met her at the door. His keen eye read the answer at once. You have failed, said he. She raised her dark eyes to his, herself silent, mournful. What did he say? demanded Burr. Said he was under orders. Said you should go to Mr. Jefferson with your plan. Said mr jefferson alone could stop him failed yes i failed you failed said burr because you did not use the right argument with him the next time you must not fail you must use better arguments theodosia stood motionless for an instant looking at her father then passed back into the house listen my daughter said burr at length in his eye a light that she never had known before you must see that man again and bring him back into our camp we need him without him i cannot handle mary and without mary i cannot handle Iruhol. without them my plan is doomed if it fails your husband has lost fifty thousand dollars and all the monies to which he is pledged beyond that you and i will be bankrupt penniless upon the streets do you hear unless you bring that man back granted that all goes well it means half a million dollars pledged for my future by great britain herself half as much pledged by spain success and future honor and power for you and me and him he must come back that expedition must not go beyond the mississippi you ask me what to tell him ask him no longer to return to us an opportunity ask him to come back to theodosia burr and happiness do you understand sir said his daughter i I think-i think-i do not understand he seemed not to hear her or to toss her answer aside you must try again said he and with the right weapons the old ones my dear the old weapons of a woman End of part one chapter eight